wasabi wallet, unfairly private. What's up, everyone? I'm Ben with the BTC Sessions, and this is your daily session. Huddle that Bitcoin. Before we dive in, I just want to give a shout out to sponsors of the show, Ledin.io. This is where you can use your Bitcoin for a few different services. Uh, they've got their Bitcoin backed loans. This is the first thing I ever use with them. It's where you use your Bitcoin as collateral to get a Canadian or US dollar loan. So in my instance, I was in a pinch, needed dollars, didn't want to sell my Bitcoin. So I parked my Bitcoin in a dedicated address that I could audit 24-7, got a loan to my bank account within 24 hours. And when I paid that back, I got back all all of my Bitcoin. Now they've also got Bitcoin and USDC savings accounts where you can earn up to 7.5% interest annually. And they've got their B2X offering and that's where you use the same loan mechanism to instantly buy more Bitcoin, effectively doubling your Bitcoin on the spot. If you want to check out any of this, there is a link down below in the show notes. And if you click that link and opt to use their loans, then you will get 50 bucks worth of Bitcoin for free. Uh, and then secondly, if you want to help with the show in another way and you're not yet holding your Bitcoin in a hardware wallet, uh, first of all, very good idea to do so if you keep your Bitcoin specifically on your phone or on a computer just on a hot wallet, on a wallet that's on a internet connected device, well, that is dangerous and you can easily be taken for all your Bitcoin. You can be hacked. Uh, so getting a dedicated non-internet connected device like a ledger is very important. Um, so I do use a lot of different hardware wallets and ledger is one of them. They've been around for quite some time. Um, I used them all the way back in 2014 was the first time I used a ledger product. Um, and so they've been around for a long time. I use the ledger nano S I use the ledger nano X. I use both. Um, I also use, as I said, lots of other hardware wallets. But if you want to help out the show, there's a link down below where you can pick up any ledger items. Uh, and anytime you do so, again, it helps out the show in doing so. Uh, and with that, let's dive into the news. Uh, so bad news for Craig Wright. When is it ever good news for Craig Wright, really? Um, Craig Wright being the individual pretending to be Satoshi Nakamoto, the creator of Bitcoin. Uh, well, he's in a court case, uh, which I've discussed on the show before, where one of his former associates or alleged former associates, the family of that person who has now passed away, David Kleiman, is suing Craig Wright under the assumption that he is Satoshi for half of his coins. Now, Craig Wright is trying to balance this awkward line between trying to keep his followers believing that he is Satoshi while also not having access to the coins that he would then owe to the climate estate if he lost the lawsuit, which is billions of dollars. Well, unfortunately for Craig Wright, he provided a document to the court um, stating that he owned something to the line to the likes of 16,000 different Bitcoin addresses, but he could not access them because he did not have access to the keys and they were tied up in some sort of a tulip trust uh, bonded courier type deal. Long and short of it is he says that the coins are there, they're his, but he cannot access to them. Well, 
uh, I'm going to read a little bit from this Cointelegraph article detailing what happened. So a message signed by 145 wallets containing Bitcoin mined in the first years calls Craig Wright a liar and a fraud. The message was published on May 25th with a list of 145 addresses and their corresponding signatures. This seemingly proves that the addresses do indeed belong to the person broadcasting the message. The message itself reads, quote, Craig Stephen Wright is a liar and a fraud. He doesn't have the keys to sign this message. The Lightning Network is a significant achievement. However, we need to continue to work on improving on-chain capacity. Unfortunately, the solution is not to just change a constant in the code or to allow powerful participants to force out others. Uh, moving on from there, notably Cointelegraph was able to verify that all the addresses can be found among the list of thousands claimed by Craig Wright in the case against Ira Kleiman. Wright has on multiple occasions failed to produce proof of ownership of the alleged fortune of Satoshi Nakamoto, who is believed to have mined more than 1 million Bitcoin. Uh, so tough one for right uh, a lot of people saying that this is just another nail in the coffin for his claim to be a satoshi basically at every single turn he gets slapped down and somehow he still has uh, a a following of minions that will just believe anything he says and and um you know you know whether they just claim he's he's playing 4d chess and trying to get ahead of everybody by lying about certain things is is irrelevant basically everything that he says has has been a lie and has been proven to be so and this is just another such instance so good riddance yet another thing again i know some people don't even like me to bother talking about craig but i found this one particularly funny that somebody so early on in bitcoin that was mining so early on would take the time to sign this message and say no this guy's a fraud Anyways, let's move on here. Uh, more Bitcoin than ever has been made private this month with CoinJoin. So uh, this article from Decrypt, uh, it says more Bitcoin than ever has was made private this month through an anonymous strategy known as CoinJoin. Uh, if you own Bitcoin but use centralized exchanges or other similar services, privacy experts say you should po probably consider doing it too. Bitcoin mixers use the CoinJoin technique such as Wasabi Wallet and Samurai Wallet have seen huge growth in recent months. Uh, and this was uh, shown by Max Hildebrandt who is a, a, contribute, a contributor to Wasabi Wallet. So seven what is this? Seven seventy thousand Bitcoin in May alone have been made private so far, and this is uh, a mix of Wasabi Wallet, Samurai Wallet, and Join Market. And so, according to the da data, seventy thousand Bitcoin, roughly six hundred and forty-four million dollars at today's prices were made private in May. This cumulative total may be off slightly for false positives um, because uh, a type of coin join called Join Market is quite difficult to track. Um, however, uh, Hildebrandt is pretty confident that the numbers for Wasabi and Samurai are accurate. Um, the other interesting thing about this is that the fresh Bitcoins coin joined, ones that have not been through this process before, has also begun to rise again. It peaked at some point last year, uh, but has been on the rise as well. So that means more people, more new individuals or new coins are taking uh, part in the coin drain process 
further improving fungibility for all those that do so. So uh, really, really cool to see. You guys know that I'm a huge advocate of CoinJoin. Wasabi is a pa uh, partner of the show. Um, and I also regularly use Samurai Wallet. And I think all of it is great and wonderful for people to use. I highly encourage you guys uh, do that. This is particularly useful in um, what a lot of people don't understand about CoinJoin is, yes, if you use a centralized service to buy Bitcoin, um, that service does have a record of you sending them money, using it to purchase Bitcoin and removing it from the exchange. Um, the danger there, of course, in using that centralized service is that data can be leaked. But beyond that, there's a further danger. If you have Bitcoin obtained from other services or peer-to-peer -peer, or you get paid in Bitcoin or whatever the case, if you have other Bitcoin and then you take the Bitcoin that you've used uh, or that you've bought at a centralized service and it is not coin joined and then you put it into a wallet with a, that other Bitcoin that nobody knows where you got it from and then you proceed to spend from that wallet and those coins get mixed together in that spending process, well, that links all of the identified coins that people know that you own if they're looking at the blockchain and they get that information with the coins that previously were not linked to you. So people can very easily audit and paint a picture of exactly how much money you have, which can make you a target for malicious individuals that may want to track you down and steal your money. Uh, so again, I can't stress enough how what, what a wonderful tool something like CoinJoin is for Bitcoin users that are interested in protecting themselves and, and keeping their, their savings private. Uh, let's move on a little bit. And in the same vein of privacy and information uh, being leaked out there, a hacker claims to have stolen data from Ledger, Trezor, and KeepKey, uh, major hardware wallets. Now, the interesting thing about this is that it seems to not be substantiated. And so what information did this person allegedly get? Uh, I will read a little bit here. So a uh, hacker is reportedly selling stolen data from three popular hardware wallets, um, prompting investigations by at least two of the companies allegedly involved. The hacker claims to have stolen data from Trezor, Ledger, and Shapeshift's wallet, KeepKey. The allegations uh, were republished on Twitter today by cybersecurity firm Under the Breach. Um, and so what he's saying is that uh, this individual claims to have breached uh, the Shopify e-commerce website uh, plugins for both Trezor Ledger and KeepKey. Um, However, uh, the responses from Trezor and Ledger, they say, uh, there are rumors spreading that our eShop database, this is Trezor itself, uh, our eShop database has been hacked through a Shopify exploit. Our eShop does not use Shopify, but we are nonetheless investigating the situation. We've been also routinely purging old customer records from the database to minimize the possible impact. And then uh, from Ledger, rumors pretend uh, our Shopify database has hacked, uh, has been hacked through a Shopify exploit. Our e-commerce team is currently checking these allegations by analyzing the so-called hacked database. And so far, it doesn't match our real database. We continue investigations are, and are taking the matter seriously. Um, so this individual is looking for money in exchange for this data. He also claims to have uh, the database of, what is it called? Uh, bank to the future, which is uh, an investment um, 
portal as well. They claim to have a lot of this information uh, and are asking for a lot of money for it, um, but it could just be a cash grab with some unsubstantiated data that the person has just made up. Um, so what kind of data would be at risk if this were to be real? It would, again, simply be records of who bought Bitcoin hardware wallets in these cases. So they would be getting stuff like uh, the individual's uh, names and and you know when they bought these hardware wallets, what specifically they bought, where they were shipped to, stuff like that. This would not give them access to anybody's private keys or any be able to steal anybody's money or even see what money they had. Other than again, if you were you weren't coin joined and you were paying via Bitcoin, then feasibly this information could be in there of, oh, this person paid with Bitcoin. This is linked back to this wallet, which holds this much in funds. Uh, so that could be an attack factor there, seeing how much you have. But um, it does not give the person direct access to anybody's coins or anything like that. It's more just like kind of an OPSEC issue. Um, I kind of... This seems to me, again, like a bit of a cash grab, like the person's just saying they have this information, uh, especially since it's not being substantiated by either of those companies, even through uh, trying to investigate it and see what they had. So more or less, it seems to be a bit of a nothing burger, but it does, again, bring up the uh, issue of making sure that you maintain your Bitcoin privacy and, and try to separate the links between you and your coins. Uh, moving on, the Iranian president calls for national crypto mining strategy. Now, I find this article title to be a little bit misleading. It seems it's, it's a double edged sword. It, it seems more positive than it is when I actually read here. Uh, so the president Rouhani told officials from the Central Bank of Iran, the CBI, Energy Department and Information Communication Technology Ministries that they need to devise a new national strategy for crypto mining, including regulation and mining revenue. Uh, the news comes barely two days after the Iranian parliament published a bill proposing to apply the country's strict foreign exchange and current smuggle, uh, currency smuggling regulation to cryptocurrencies. The new parliamentary law would also require crypto exchanges operating in the country to first register with the CBI, possibly in a move to try and prevent too much capital leaving the country. Penalties for smuggling in Iran can include fines and imprisonment. So in, in one way, regulation is an admission of acceptance, right? So when you regulate something, you're not banning it. You're just saying we're setting out some ground rules here. On the other hand, this also comes across as, as they know that they can't exactly outlaw it. Uh, or at least that outlawing it would not really be enforceable. And so we may as well try to set out some regulations and corral individuals by and large into a system where we can still have some degree of control and try to take our slice. Uh, that's kind of what this comes across as me. And I think you're going to kind of see stuff like this around the globe um, in varying degrees. But I think it'll all be for naught 
in the end because it, it's very, very difficult to clamp down on this kind of stuff. And I think the stuff that gets through the cracks will become more and more prevalent and people will realize um, it's it's these central banks and these central entities that want to control the money are, are just seeing it slip through their fingers like sand. Uh, and I think it'll continue to go that way, but we'll see regulations like this in, in the uh, interim. Moving on here, just a short Twitter thread from not at not Groovels. Uh, I'm just going to read the tweets here and then I'll give my kind of hot take on this as well. So liquid can help free up a ton of Bitcoin block space for other uses. Think cheap coin joins. So liquid being the liquid sidechain created by uh, Blockstream where you can utilize Bitcoin. You can peg out into a one to one liquid Bitcoin token. Uh, moving on through the tweet here, exchanges need to get integrated so traders don't have to use the main chain. Jameson Lop estimated roughly 50% of outco- outputs come from exchanges, of which most are inter-exchange chan- uh, transfers. Now take a look at Bitcoin fees spikes during big price movements. They're just traders moving Bitcoin from one exchange to another. These transfers are better suited off chain on liquid and so uh a couple things here uh, i think it's absolutely right if if those numbers are correct and 50 percent of outputs are coming from exchanges that's a lot a lot of block space it, which is a basically scarce digital resource um, that could be more efficiently used the other thing about individuals uh utilizing and trading on on exchanges if that's what they want to do already if you're putting bitcoin onto an exchange uh if, if you're putting bitcoin onto a uh, a trading platform well you are trusting that trading platform to custody your coins and when you're transferring between those trading platforms of course you're paying the on-chain fee for bitcoin uh you're at the mercy of what type of uh, what type of wallet addresses and how efficient and what the minor fees are set at, so on and so forth. As you transfer between exchanges, you also, if you're moving large amounts of money, well, the Bitcoin blockchain is just completely, uh, again, anybody can audit it and see those movements. Um, and the settlement times can can take a while. So if you're trying to execute multi-million dollar trades in quick order and you don't want to give away your position well you're giving away your position by showing those movement of funds and in that time if people are already on the exchange you're sending to they may try to interpret what you're doing and and beat you to that trade in utilizing liquid in this instance for large traders moving from inter-exchange like this I 100% agree in almost every capacity it is better. Why? Well, you're no longer trusting a single exchange with custody. The way that Liquid works is is a federated model where there's a whole bunch of different federation members uh, and no one exchange has real control of the pegged Bitcoin there. And so instead of having to trust one entity, you're trusting uh, basically the entire federation or rather two-thirds of the federation to to not be malicious um, which again just inherently by trusting more and more uh, separate entities all in in concert with each other uh, it's it's 
a much lower risk profile than just one entity. If one one exchange goes bust and your money is on a, that exchange, you're screwed. Um, so in that capacity, it's it's much lower. Also, as I was saying, when you transfer into exchange, when you, you pay the on-chain fee, which on liquid will automatically be lower because of a couple things, their block times are only one minute long and transaction finality after two minutes. Uh, so that's another bonus, cheaper fees, quicker transfers. Also, by default, every single transfer is a confidential transaction, meaning that the confidential tra part is you can't see what asset is being sent. So whether it's liquid Bitcoin or whether it's a different asset issued on the liquid sidechain, and you cannot see the amount. So you don't give away the position of even what you're trying to do. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I think it's a no brainer for people that are parking a lot of money in exchanges and trying to make large trades already. Uh, I think it's just a matter of time before liquid kind of becomes that default and and trust minimizes a lot of these actions that required a lot of trust previously. So um, yeah, interesting to see these numbers though. I didn't know 50% of payment outputs coming from exchanges. Wow. Uh, last thing I wanted to touch on a new article from the Bitsy Academy. This actually dropped on Friday, but I was moving. Oh, by the way, I'm in my new house. It's not all set up yet, but uh, at least my office, I've got some light in here and microphone and all that. So uh, it, it'll start to look nicer eventually. Um, anyways, uh, this dropped on Friday. This is an article on the Bitsy Academy from Vlad Castella. Uh, kudos again. Thanks, Vlad, for uh, writing this. It's all about Bitcoin time locks, which is a smart contract mechanism that can be used on Bitcoin and kind of the interesting ways in which it can be used uh, in concert with other mechanisms like multi-sig. Um, a lot of the the a lot of people, when you think of smart contracts on Bitcoin, if you're aware that they exist, which they do, um, uh, multi-sig is the most common one um, where you decide who and how somebody can spend the conditions in which coins can be spent. But time locks add the condition of time. This Bitcoin cannot be spent until a particular block or until a particular actual point in time. And when you put those things in concert, you actually can do some very, very interesting things with Bitcoin itself. And so Vlad does a, a good uh, job of breaking down the various types of time locks that you can do on, on Bitcoin and what they can be used for and kind of what the future may hold. Uh, so with that, I'm going to wrap up, you guys. Thank you so much for watching. As always, if you're here on YouTube, do hit like, subscribe, and share. Uh, also, make sure you check out the other platforms I'm on. I am on Facebook Live. I do stream to DLive and Twitch and uh, Twitter via Periscope. There's, there's a bunch of stuff. Also, I'm on every single, well, not every single, but basically every podcast platform you could really want uh, in audio only. So be sure to subscribe there if you're more of an audiophile. And other than that, if you want to help out the show in another way, you can hit up the sponsor Ledin down below, get that 50 free bucks. You can pick up a ledger down below. Or if you really liked what you saw, you can always drop me a Lightning Network tip at my tippin.me page. That is tippin.me slash at BTC sessions. And with that, I am out. Have yourselves a wonderful rest of the day, wonderful evening, and I will see you next time for your daily session.